Well, good morning. Let's try that one more time. Good morning. <clears throat> that sounded much, much better. So first, I just want to say welcome to the vine. And thank you so much for being here. And I love Joel's enthusiasm that he could not wait for that song to be done before he came up here to welcome you guys. That's what we need to see. But I am so glad that you're here this morning. And in case you've never met me, you've never heard me uh, have the opportunity to speak and preach before, my name is Alex Hanvey, and I get the privilege to be the teaching pastor here at the Vine Church, and so I am thankful for this day that I get to come up here and to give you this message that I feel the Lord's put on my heart, um, and so I'm excited to share that with you. And I would love to meet you if I never have met you before in the garden afterwards. Um, so come by, see us. We'd love to answer any questions you may have. We'd love to pray with you or pray for you and, and give you some encouragement. And if it's your first time, we actually have a gift for you as well. So before we get ready, in case you don't have a physical Bible with you, I just want to let you know, and this is something that we kind of go through every week just so that those who may not have a Bible with them can still get the scripture. And so first, there are Bibles in the back free for the asking if you would like one. And then secondly, we have the, uh, the ability to use technology around here. And so it's great because we have the Bible app. So if you go to the Bible app on your phone, whether it's Apple or whether it's an Android, go to the Bible app, click on it, pull it up. Well, you click on the More tab down in the bottom right-hand corner and then click on Events. Now, make sure your location services are on so that it'll show up. And you can find the Vine Church's Sunday worship experience on there. You select it, it pulls it up, and it gives you all the scripture for today. It gives you places to take notes and ways to reach out and contact us. So we do that so that you can connect in whatever version of the Bible that you want because then you can look it up in any translation. And so we do that just to make it easier and more, uh, and, and more readily available for everybody. So I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna pray for us and then we're just gonna dive in because God put a lot of stuff on my heart and I wanna get you out of here before two o'clock today. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for everyone who is here. Thank you so much for anybody who is watching online and, and who is hearing this message. God, I believe that this message you have put on my heart and what has been prepared is from you and it's for us. God, may you just open our ears and open our hearts to receive and to hear exactly what you would have us to take away today. God, may it be all for your glory and for our good. Help me to step out of the way so that everything that is heard, everything witnessed, and everything experienced is all from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I'm gonna start this message, this sermon, off with a disclaimer. I am not perfect. I do not have it all together, and I am not the best husband. So, just want you to know, and my wife can probably attest to like two out of three of those things, but so I say that because I don't want you to feel like I'm up here preaching in this marriage series because I've got it all together, but rather I am up here praying for God to use me to show you the ways to live a godly marriage. 
And then maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, I'm not married. What's this got to do with me? Why not come today? Well, even if you're not married, maybe you aspire to be married one day, you hope to be, or maybe you just want to have good, solid relationships. I fully believe that what God has me prepared to share today is going to bless any relationship, and it's going to bless us as individuals and as couples in marriage. So as we, uh, as we get rolling this morning, I pray that this message, that the words that God has put on my heart will lead you closer to Christ, that you will draw closer to him, that you will understand more of what it looks like to live a godly marriage, to live a godly life, but it will also bring you into a deeper intimacy with your spouse or with the person that you have a relationship with that you hope to be married to one day. So as I was preparing this and I was kind of thinking over it and studying, I got to ask myself the question and I started writing down, when you think of marriage, and nobody, you don't have to yell out or anything, but when you think about marriage, what are some words that come to mind? Now, <laughs> I heard love. Love's a good one. Love's a good one. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. There's two lists. There's a good word list and a bad word list, okay? So we're going to go through some of the good words first, okay? And on top of my list, Jeremy, me and you are tracking because mine is love is the first word. But then you also have happiness, maybe kissing, Mm-hmm. Kissing, that is okay in marriage. I just want you to know. Laughter, there we, you know, laughter. Togetherness, comfort, oneness, holiness, things such as that. And the list hopefully goes on and on. But then there's the other list, the not so good list, the bad list. And so some of the words that may come up, some you might not be able to say in church or around children, but the bad list may include, when you think of marriage, frustration, arguments, disappointment, silence, hurt. What about brokenness? For some people, when they think of marriage, one of the words that comes to mind may be divorce. Because if we're honest, that's what marriage looks like today for a lot of people they have a longer bad list than they do a good list. And if we're honest with each other, marriage is not always hunky-dory. It's not always goods. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. It's not always great. Mine's pretty close to it, but it's not always perfect. There are both ups and downs. You do have a good list and a bad list. You see, but these these down times, these not so great times, the valleys that you go through in life or in marriage, honestly, with a solid foundation, they can actually be used to strengthen your marriage, to bless your marriage. They can be used to, to deepen your love for each other. They can actually be used to, to help you to see your spouse in a different way that causes you and leads you to value them and appreciate them more. You see, the hope and desire is that every marriage is godly, that it's Christ-centered, and that all, your, all the time spent together is on the mountaintops, that you have no downs. But 
realistically, you're going to have both. And so the hope is that you have more ups and more good times than you do down. But we must understand and we must agree that they both come. They're going to happen. So let's not fool ourselves in stepping into marriage, thinking, okay, this is going to be perfect. Everything's going to be great. And so as I was writing through some of the lists, the good and the bad, I started to think, like, what are some of the areas or some of the causes for frustration in marriage. And so instead of people yelling out and saying things that you shouldn't say, I I wrote a list of three. And maybe these relate to you. Maybe you've had these three areas of frustration in your marriage before. The first one that came to mind, and not that any of these have ever happened in our marriage, but these are just things I've heard people talk about before. But one of the first ones is the question where do you want to eat? <laughs> the second one is, what temperature do you set the thermostat to? Ever caused any frustration, any disagreements there? And the last one that I wrote down is, who is making dinner tonight? AKA, I don't want to make dinner, you make dinner. Right? Maybe those three areas have caused some tension before in your life. But you know what? Outside of that, even though those are kind of humorous and more minor, we know and believe that there are other areas in our marriages and in life that cause frustration. And so when we look at those and others, I think we can all agree that when we have the frustration and the arguments that come from these things, that they come from a place of selfishness. Would you agree? Would you agree that when you argue, it's usually because someone, probably both, are being selfish? You care about what you want. Because let's just look at the three that I, that I mentioned, the three that I pointed out. Where do you want to eat dinner? When the argument and the frustration comes, it's, I don't want that for dinner, but I want that for dinner. That's not what I want for dinner, but that's what I want for dinner. It's what I want. And then the second one about the temperature on the thermostat, it comes from, well, that's not comfortable, comfortable to me. I'm cold. I want to turn it up. Well, I'm hot. I'm sweating. I want to turn it down. It's what makes me feel good. And then the last one of, I don't want to make dinner tonight, but I want you to make dinner because I don't want to make dinner. I just want to, I just want to rest or I've been busy. I want, I want, I want what makes me happy what makes me feel good. And so one of, the, one of the first points that I have for us, and just not really points because I'm not going through a three-point sermon, but one of the takeaways is that selfishness always cares more about me. It's what I want. It's what's gonna make me happy. It's how I feel about it. Does it, does it satisfy me? You see, and when we live life that way, it's, apart from the way that God intended it. It's apart from the way that God gave us the example to live. You see, and really and truly, when you get into those arguments and you start saying, I want, I want, I want, it reminds me of a child when they want a toy or when they want something to eat or they don't want to eat it and they start pitching a fit and they're crying. And that's what it reminds me of. And that's where we go back to when it's all about me. And so in marriage, that can never be how we live. In life, that can never be how we live because 
Jesus actually set the example for us that it is not always about me. And so the opposite of that, the way that we have been given an example to live our life is selflessness. Because selflessness and compassion always care more about you. It's not about me. It doesn't matter what I want. It matters what you want. And so as a husband, as a wife, may we be able to live that way in our marriage. May we be able to care more about what our spouse wants or what our spouse needs more so than what we want and what makes us happy and what satisfies us. I was at lunch um, a couple weeks ago with a good friend and we were just talking and happened to get on the topic of expectations and then started talking about marriage. And so in marriage, if you're honest, if you're already married or even if you're not, you probably have preset expectations of what you think is gonna be. You have preset expectations of what you believe your spouse is going to be able to do for you. You see, but when we can get away from that mindset, when we stop expecting from our spouse to, hey, you can do this for me, then we start just caring only about what we can do for them. We start focusing on what can I do to make them happy? What can I do to be a blessing to my wife? What can I do to be a blessing to my husband? It changes our attitude. Because our expectation is no longer, hey, what are you going to do for me today? It's, hey, what do I get to do for you today? And so the joy that comes from that is way more than any joy that we ever get from what somebody can do for us. The joy from doing for others is much greater than the joy of what someone can do for us. And then as we walk into marriage beforehand, it gets that kind of, the, the mindset of, hey, this is 50-50. If you go 50, I'll go 50. You meet me halfway, I'll meet you halfway. But what if we got away from the 50-50, what you do, I'll do, and we just went 100-100. I give you all of me, you give me all of you. And so what if marriages in this world, in this country were that way now? It was, hey, what have you done for me lately? And we got away from that and it went to, hey, I love you. I'm gonna give you everything I can. I'm gonna do everything I can for you. So we talked about just kind of what in general comes to mind when you think of marriage. Well, what comes to mind when you think of godly marriage? What are some words that maybe pop up in your head? Here are some that I wrote down as I was studying and going through this. Service sacrifice together, love again, respect. But one that popped out to me is submission. Now, maybe for some, you're like, submission in marriage? What? That don't make any sense. What does submission have to do with marriage? And if you ask a lot of people and if you pay attention to a lot of weddings or if you go to a lot or, or any of that nature... The traditional vow that most people would tell you bothers them the most, and the one that has been taken out of a lot of marriage vows, two words, to obey. See, people don't like it because of what they believe obey means. It's the way that they see obedience. It's the way that they see that word submission. 
But what if I told you that the word obey and the word submit, which are synonyms for each other, are actually part of God's plan for marriage? And what if I told you that they actually go hand in hand with the way that you love your spouse and the way that you love God? So if you've got your Bibles with you, go ahead. We're about to dive into Ephesians chapter five. And if you're on the Bible app, you can pull it up that way as well. But we're gonna be in Ephesians chapter five. We're gonna be uh, start at verse 22 and 23. These are the two that we're gonna look at. Verses 22 and 23, Ephesians chapter five. Now this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus and he's giving them instructions and kind of guidelines to how to live a godly marriage. And in verse 22, it says this, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now maybe that one verse alone kind of sends chills up your spine and you're like, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Don't know that I like that. I don't know that that's quite right. Why are we talking about this in church? But it's in God's word. So I'm gonna break this verse into two parts. First, I wanna point out the word submit. In the Greek, the word is hupotiso. Now don't get that mixed up with hupopotamus. That's something different. But hupotiso, it actually means, this is the definition, to place or rank under to subject, to be subject to. And then the third definition is to obey, submit to. So it actually says, Paul was writing, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now, how do you view that word? What does that word mean to you? How have you experienced the word submit or obey in your life? You see, because that is going to influence the way that you see this verse. And therefore, in turn, is going to influence the way that you live out your marriage. The world views submission and submitting and submit as losing. It's less than, right? If anybody ever grew up or has ever watched WCW, WWF, WWE now, then one of the goals of the wrestler is to try and defeat or submit their opponent. And so when their opponent submits, that means they gave up. They're the loser. And the person who is able to get the other person to submit is the winner. You see, this is how the world views submission. This is how a lot of people walk into marriage viewing submission like it's a wrestling match or something. And so it comes with a negative view, a negative connotation to what that actually means. But now, that's the world's view of the word. Now, I want to, I told you I was going to break this into two parts. Now, the second part of this verse is this. This word and this verse, submission, does not put a woman's husband in the place of Jesus. It doesn't say that the man is Christ, but rather through the wife's submission, submitting to her husband, it's actually her way of serving the Lord. You see, by loving and submitting to your spouse, to your husband, you're actually serving the Lord. Because I don't know if you know this or not, husbands, this is for us, this is for me. We are not Jesus. We are not perfect. We do not have it all together 
nor do we even deserve to be loved so much by a spouse, nor do we even deserve to be served and submitted to by a spouse. And so a lot of times what happens, like the perspective that the world has for the word submit, we take that into marriage. And that's what verses like this get turned into. It's people look at them and say, okay, well, my wife is supposed to submit to me. That must mean that I'm better, that I'm in charge, that I'm the best. And so when we carry that foolishness and that wrong perspective, we can't help but run into frustration and difficult times in our marriage. You see, and it was kind of a note that I just jotted down because it made me laugh, is when I was looking at this and I was studying through this and I began to think about how foolish it is for husbands, for men, for the world to see a marriage in such a way. It got me thinking about how foolish it, it causes men to be especially husbands, because we have that mindset of, okay, I'm better, I, I'm in charge, I'm the leader, what I say goes. And then I got to thinking, Jesus loved the foolish, right? Jesus came for those who thought that they had it all together. Jesus gave himself. Guess what? Jesus submitted to God's plan, right? Jesus submitted himself to God's plan, and he did something for us to show his love for everyone, for all mankind. So then I got to think if a wife submits to her husband, if a wife can love the foolishness that we oftentimes bring and live out, then they're actually more like Jesus by loving us in our foolishness than we are thinking that we're supposed to be like Jesus because it instructs wives to submit to their husband. So the takeaway from this that I want us to understand as a husband and as a wife is that wives and women who aspire to be a wife someday, you are not less than. You are not put beneath and you are not second to a man. I don't want us to take it that way. And then it goes in, because this is where it continues. I told you two verses that we were going to look at, 22 and then 23. This is what it says in verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, what I want to point out, there's two things that are going to influence how you take this verse, and there are two things that are going to influence your marriage. First is pride. Second is humility. Depending on which of those you read this verse with and the, which of those you live out your marriage is going to influence the way that you live and the way that your marriage goes. And that's for both a husband and a wife. Because let's use this example for husbands. They take that and they look at it and they say, okay, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior, the husband is the head of the wife. Okay, so look at it, and I'm, I'm in charge. Okay, so see, the word points out that the man is the best and that I'm in charge and that my wife must submit to me and that I lead. But I also want you to think from this perspective, men. Jesus gave everything for his body, and he didn't ask for a single thing in return. Are you willing to do that for your body, for your spouse, for your wife? 
You see, Jesus gave absolutely everything because of his value that he placed on the body. You see, in the body being the wife, in this case, in our marriage, we must place such a high value on our spouse. And we must be willing to give everything for her. So don't miss this. Jesus and the church also are one body. Husbands and wives are one flesh. So how can I stand here in oneness and say I hate part of myself or that I don't care about or value part of myself as much as the whole or another part? Because Ephesians 31 or Ephesians 5:31 says for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. And then verse 33 says, however, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. You see, it's not about me being better or my wife even being better, but it's also important for me not to have pride in the way that I think and for for a wife not to have pride in herself like that she doesn't need to be put down. And so just because the Bible says this, I'm not gonna let my husband tell me what to do and I'm gonna do my own thing and what I say goes. Because pride in both of those cases will lead to friction and to frustration, but humility will allow us to see these verses exactly the way that they're meant to be. You see, the submission of the believers for Christ, to Christ, didn't lessen the value of the body. Jesus paid his life, paid the price for the body because he valued it so much. You see, and I've talked about how the world views things versus maybe the way God views things. And so what I want us to look at is the world takes things out of context. That's why I chose verse 22 and 23 to talk about first, because the world will take those two verses out and the world will say, this is what the Bible says about marriage. This is how the Bible views men and women. And so the world will take it, twist it, and manipulate it into what it wants it to be and try to make it out into what it thinks marriage should be. But I I want us to jump backwards one verse to verse 21. And this is what it says. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You see, the first two verses I talked about were for the wife. And it used the word submit. And a lot of people take that and they see it and they're like, okay, this is what it means. This is what marriage is, is for the man to be in charge and the woman to just follow whatever the man says. And they don't read verse 21 because the world will take it out of context and they pull it out and they look at it. But verse 21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, not just a wife, but a husband and a wife, to submit to each other. Because the way that we submit to one another, the way that we live a marriage in obedience to each other shows and reflects the way that we love each other. If I view submission and obedience to my spouse as a bad thing, how can we ever have a fluid and easy relationship If I look at confrontation because of these things, how can I ever love my wife the way that God intended? You see, we are called to obey and submit to our spouse in the same way that we obey and submit to Jesus. 
You see, because Jesus showed his love for us, and so we obey and submit to him, to his plan. Not because he beats us or bullies us into it, but out of love, we obey and we submit. Now I want us to look. We talked about the wives, and now we just looked at the one verse there that combines both. I wanna look at the, the verse for the husbands, Ephesians 5, verse 25, and verse 28. It says this, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. In this same way, Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. So what I want us to to take from this is that marriage is not, or marriage is about loving each other through service and sacrifice, not through submitting the other one to do what you want, but through being obedient to God, showing our, our love for God and our love for our spouse. You see, in my marriage, in my own marriage, I submit to my wife. I obey my wife. And it's not because I think that she is greater than I or that I'm instructed to put myself below or beneath, but I do it because I love her. And in turn, even without my submission or obedience, she loves me. And this, when we can live a marriage in this way where the husband loves his wife 100% and the wife loves her husband 100%, then our marriages will look drastically different. You see, I do place my wife above myself. I want to put her before me. I want to submit. I want to humble myself so that her needs come before mine. Her wants and desires come before mine, come before myself without expectation of what she'll do in return. And may we live our lives in this way. May we live out our marriage in this way. If I view submission and obedience to my wife as a bad thing, and I just want to point this out again, how can I ever live in the joy and holiness that God intended marriage to be? You see, the world likes to take a lot of things that God created and take it for their own and turn it and twist it, manipulate it, use it for benefit of themselves. But God actually created marriage. In Genesis 2, verse 18, it says, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. And then verse 22 says, he brought her to the man. This shows the preciousness of marriage, the value of finding a wife. And let me tell you from my personal experience, I have found value because of my wife. In Proverbs 18, 22, it says, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. So how great a joy that marriage can be when we live it out in the way that God intended it when we live it out by the example that God gave us on how to live a life and to live a marriage. And that's through Jesus and the church. You see, Jesus gave everything for his bride. Jesus stepped down from a place of no issues, no trouble, no pain, no sorrow, and he stepped down to earth because he loved his wife so much. 
because he loved his bride so much that he lived the perfect life that we could not live, that we, the church, we, the body, being his bride, that we could not, we could not fulfill. Not only did he live that perfect life, but he paid for every mistake that we have made and every mistake that we will make in the future. Jesus took it on himself, not out of, not out of uh, forceful obedience, but out of obedience because of love. And so Jesus took our price to the cross. He paid for it on the cross and it took him to the grave. And in the grave, his love was so much for us that he didn't stay there. But on the third day, he arose in both victory over sin and death. You see, all of this is an example for us to live out our lives in obedience to God, in submission to his plan for us, in obedience to our spouse, in the way that we sacrifice and that we love for them. You see, it's not just for one to submit, but for both to submit. It's not just for one to love, but for both to love. So may we live out our lives, whether it be in marriage or just in relationships, may we love others the way that Christ has loved us. And may we know and may we live in the joy of the love that Christ gave to us and that Christ gave for us. So what I wanna do right here is, as we've talked about this, as we've talked about marriage and about love and what that means and the examples set by Christ, I wanna ask you today, do you know that love? Have you ever received that love from Jesus? Do you know what that feels like? Do you remember the moment when you accepted his love and his mercy and his grace? Because like I said before, Jesus did all of this without asking for a single thing in return. All he asked for is you. He gave himself for you. Have you ever experienced that joy of receiving Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? I'm gonna give you that opportunity right now if you never have. And I pray that you will, in this moment that we're about to step into of prayer, that you will be obedient. Not obedience in a negative way, but humble yourself. Let go of everything else. Submit and surrender to Christ who is calling you, who is given everything for you. So if you would, let us bow our heads. Let us close our eyes. Lord Jesus, I thank you again for this moment. I thank you for this time today. And I just thank you for the word that you placed on my heart to share. I pray, Lord, that we are able to take this away today, Lord, and that it drastically changes the way that we live our lives, the way that we live out our marriages, the way that we love our spouse, and that we're not afraid to submit to one another, but we do it because of the way that you gave us an example because of the way that you set and that you showed us how to live. Lord, if there's anybody here today in this house or if they're watching online and they have never received the love of Jesus, the mercy and grace that comes through a relationship 
with Christ. I pray, Lord, that in this moment right now, you are stirring in their heart, that you are speaking to them. Lord, I pray that you are moving in such a way that they can't deny it. (laughs) Heavenly Father, I just pray that you speak to them now. If that's you, if you're hearing my voice and you know that you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you are ready to step into that love, that grace, that mercy right now, I just want you to repeat this prayer with me. And you can repeat it in your heart or you can say it aloud if you would like. But I just want you to understand as well that it's not the words you say, but it's the relationship between you and Christ. It's the meaning behind the words that you say, that you mean them 100%. And in this house, we like to pray together so that those coming to Christ for the first time don't have to pray alone but that we pray together. So if everybody would with me, repeat this prayer. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of your love. I believe that you live the perfect life, that you paid the price for my sins, that you love me enough not to stay dead, but rose from the grave in both victory over sin and death. I surrender my life to you. Help me to follow you the rest of my life, step by step, the best way that I know how. Now, with every head bowed and eyes still closed, if that was you and you prayed that prayer for the very first time, you know that you have made the commitment to follow Jesus, to submit to him, to surrender to him for the very first time. And you know that you meant it 100%. When I count to three, all I want you to do is just raise your hand. And if you're watching online, all I want you to do is to send us a comment. Send us an email at hello at thevine.tv or prayer at thevine.tv because we would love to connect with you. We would love to help you understand this commitment and walking with Christ. So if that was you, I want you to respond in one, two, three. Good. And if you're online, reach out to us, let us know, send us an email, comment below, do whatever you have to because we want to serve you and pray with you as well. Lord Jesus, I thank you again for this day. I thank you for this time that you've given us and I pray that you will be with us throughout the rest of this afternoon. I pray that you will guide us, lead us, direct us in all that we do. Bless our marriages, Lord. Help us to know what it means to submit and to obey one another, not out of fear or not out of, not out of, uh, out of disagreement, Lord, but just out of love to submit and obey to one another and to you. May you bless this worship, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It's easy, but still.
Staying in love is hard It's hard to be honest And keep your heart open To be who we truly are Without the excuses Without the facade There's no pretending Here in your love, oh Lord, set me free. Oh Lord, set me Stand up and sing with us. I let out the souls of my heart. Here I am, who you are.
If you want to go ahead and lock arms with those next to you, I just want you to think about the song that they just sang. Open up the cells of my heart. Here I am, here you are. So let me ask you, in your life, in your relationships, in your marriage, have you opened up the cells of your heart? Have you allowed God to move in such a way that only he can, that only can be done when you submit and you surrender and you just say, here I am, because I promise you that Jesus is gonna be right there where you are. So I pray that through this day that we're able to live a life that points others to Jesus and that just allows us to experience his presence. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you again for this day. Thank you for the incredible time of worship that we've had. May it draw us closer to you. Lord God, I pray that as we leave here, that we are lights that point others to you, that we are beacons that allow them to see that there is more out there than what the world has to offer, and that in the darkness there is hope, and that in life there is hope because Jesus is alive. We thank you so much. Thank you for everyone here. Keep us safe. Guide us, lead us, and direct us in everything that we do and just bring us back here together next week, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Have a great Sunday. See ya.